Hi guys, my name is Adrian Apostolatis and welcome to Out the Back Door, where we talk about everything from your back door right to the back fence and all of the bits in between. Welcome back. I hope you've been using your time wisely of late and been bringing together all of your little bits and pieces to help bring your backyard dream to life. I recently had a client of mine share their Pinterest board, which was great because it meant that we both had numerous visual elements that we could then discuss in a lot more detail and then we could shape and mold those thoughts to suit their requirements for their outdoor living area at their home. But in today's episode, I'm having a chat with Angela Moroni, who's a landscape architect, and her business is called Urban and Rural Design Landscape Architects. And the theme here is avoiding costly mistakes when planning your landscape design. But I started my conversation with Angela by asking a little bit about her and how she began her journey into becoming a landscape architect. Well, I started um, with horticulture yeah. and then I moved into the landscape design section and became a landscape contractor as well. So I've been a landscape contractor for over 25 years, Wow, which yeah. is a bit unusual for, for women, but it's lovely. It's a great, great place to be in the industry. And then um, I continued on and did landscape architecture. So um, also a consulting arborist. So I've done a lot of, yeah. done a lot of theory, but... Um, I think the, the most important thing is the practical side of, particularly in design, to have that construction knowledge. Yeah. So I have construction knowledge because we build retaining walls and driveways and whatever else. Um, and then I bring that to my design process, to my to the design table. Having yeah. both sides, that would really help to, to merge it, say, yeah, it you does. get the best result. And the other the thing the is that, you know, looking for the budget for, for a client, which is one of the mistakes that we'll talk about, is that... Um, you need to, when you're doing a design, it's it's great to be able to have an outcome that the client can actually build. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's not a pipe dream. For so sure. looking through that, looking through that time, we can do costings, and it's that's quite important, I think, too. Without a doubt, I think for for any aspect, sort of in someone's backyard. So from from my perspective, I guess to to sort of kick things off, uh, landscape architects can be very very briefly be involved in two different ways whether it's a, a new build and you're sort of designing for council and and you know a blank block and starting from scratch effectively or you've got your renovations so i guess from my perspective we'll, today we'll sort of focus on that renovation side of things sure. okay. and when i'm discussing with clients about their sort of outdoor living area often they've got a dream they've got that picture they've they've seen either on TV or they've sort of stuck that uh, cut out from the glossy magazine on the mm. fridge. And it generally, you know, they've got the pool, the beautiful lawn, the, the pool cabana, the outdoor living area, sort of those three, four, half a dozen different elements in their backyard. My advice to clients is to, to talk to someone like you and engage in that process to, to get the master plan right. So that way they're not sort of talking to... Tom, Dick and Harry, and then at the end of the day getting a, a patchwork quilt result, they can, they can space their, their construction work over a mm. period of time to, to, to work with their budget, but they're still getting that, that picture, they've stuck on the uh, fridge 
they'll get that at the end of the day. Do you think that's the right approach in terms of that yeah, master plan? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And master plans are used, people sort of think as a master, of, a, of a master plan as for a large estate or rural, I do rural properties as well and master plan, but the master plan means, so I, th I think it's a great word you've chosen, that it is the overall concept that is actually designed all at the one time by the one person in consultation with somebody like you. So yeah. if we're looking at decks and cabanas and, and yeah. all the other great things you do. Um, so it's one person um, really being the, the conductor. It's like yeah. being a conductor yeah. and and then bringing whatever other um, you know pool designer. We do pool designs, but we have an engineer and a pool designer, so they can come in. But there's one person who's the conductor, yeah. and then there's no. Everybody is on the same page, and you still everyone's focusing on that one goal. Focusing on of, the one yeah. goal, which is a beautiful picture on the fridge. I think that's a really interesting way yeah. to to describe it. And then there are minimal disappointments yes because we don't want to disappoint our client we're trying aren't we all the time to work really hard to give them that dream um, and there are less disappointments if there's one one conductor so yeah I think the master plans a great a great word so where do people start I imagine there's a process involved in this so mm. um, you'll get an inquiry or mm. if you know an introduction or something along those lines so talk a little bit through your process or where, where do people start? What's what's that first step that people should take in terms of involving a, a landscape architect and 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 sort of getting getting in forward motion to that to that picture of that dream? Yes, I think it's interesting because the the public um, and I and I'm I'm a past educator as well at TAFE, so the public do need a little bit of help with who that right person is, and and that's one of the mistakes that I talk about that you're going to bring up later, that which person should they be using? So. There are three three professionals: a landscape architect, landscape designer, and landscaper. Yep. And they all have different roles. Yep. Um, they can all work together, or they can work separately. The landscaper is the person who actually has the practical skills to do the building. Now, they actually don't learn design at TAFE, mm. but they can learn on the job. Mm. But that's not their that's not their primary skill. Yep. The landscape designer and landscape architect are the two people they've learnt design in mm. their in their in their um, in their schooling. So it, it would be better to get the concept designs done first. Yep. Then that the client can take that plan, that piece of paper, mm. to as many landscapers as they like and get they're comparing apples with apples. Mm. Mm. Whereas a lot of people get a landscaper in first and it doesn't always work out. Yeah, it doesn't always work out. The and best everyone's got way. differing differing opinions, and um, whether it's about design, but then you can get differing opinions about. Oh no, council might require this. No, they don't require this. And and before you know it, the <coughs> client can get confused too. Well, so again, what yeah. you're talking about that conductor role. Yes. Um, yeah. And you've just brought up a really interesting point about council. So that's another one of those mistakes because the first thing that happens is research. Yeah. So. Um, Research is all the seemingly boring council regulations, but we have to do it. So in my language, in design language, it's called constraints. What are those 
barriers possibly that, that council might, you know, where can that retaining wall go? How high can it be? Do we need approval? And it, and it goes on from there. I usually use the retaining wall as an example. I, you shouldn't really start designing until you have those constraints and turn them into opportunities. So we don't get we don't get scared by council. A lot of people are frightened by council. They're not. Yeah. It's just set of rules. Know what your rules are, and off you go in your design process. But you've got to. I do that as well too with my mm. clients in terms of a bit of qualification and understanding what I'm looking at. And people ask me, "Oh, can you come out tomorrow?" And it's almost let's let's slow the process down because yeah. I need to know what I'm going to be looking at. And there's no point in me rushing out there tomorrow if they want to build the opera house and they can't even yeah. build the kitchen sink for whatever reason. So if you do that research early, mm. yeah, it's, it's helping Agreed. that client in, in the long run. Um, you're not wasting anyone's time initially, mm. but it's, they're, they're gonna get a better result. And that's where the consultation, so again, you, you um, have a really good understanding of the process. So the, first, the best thing to do is a consultation. Yeah. And what that means is that the research has been done beforehand, a site visit, and we, my, the beginning of my design process is actually the consultation. So it's, it's called a client brief, which again is design language. So we get what those needs and wishes are from the client. We look at the constraints. We find out what they want. We look at the site as well. Mm. And then the next process after that, so the next step in the process after that is, is working with, with doing a plan to survey, to scale. And again, I try and encourage people to do that because then they've got a plan to scale and then they can get a landscaper to do, well, as many landscapers as they like, to do quotes. Mm. One plan, comparing apples with apples again. In your research and sort of going back a couple of steps, um, would you start talking about if, if the clients come to you and they say, this is the picture we want, um, would you start talking about budget at that early stage with them to make sure if they're, if they're thinking about the opera house, but you've got to make sure you if, you, if you go and design the opera house, but then find out that they, they can't afford it or there's site constraints or things like that, mm. um, how important is that in, in, in the process? In the first, the first conversation, yeah, definitely, because there's no point in proceeding, as you said, down a particular path. I mean, we can we can design anything. Yeah. That's not the point. They don't want anything. They want something that they have got their dream and they've got a budget. Yeah. So you know, life's a compromise, isn't it? So we need to we need to um, bring that dream within the budget mm. constraints, mm. and that's that's very doable. Mm. But it's lots of conversations, and I use the word brainstorming. So. My clients and I, we actually have a lot of fun because this is their project. That I want them to take ownership of their project. Mm, so they're mm. really involved mm. in all those stages. So just to sort of summarise that, essentially sort of what I made out was essentially the first step was the engagement. So mm. the client is to understand who they need to talk to, whether it's the, you know, someone like yourself, an architect or a designer, rather than going straight to the landscaper and getting that right person at the beginning. And then for yourself to probably the second step, you would start to do a bit of initial research on the property yes. bits and pieces, yes. followed by your client briefing. So on site, yes. bringing 
bringing that little bit of research to life to a degree mm. and then sort of start merging in that dream to start working out throwing you're starting to throw around some pieces of, of the puzzle on the table yes definitely. um and then from that that's when you can get your plan together yes go back to the client make some alterations generally maybe change pink to blue or move that tree mm. here or, mm. or whatnot and then lastly that's when the landscaper can start to talk and and get more involved in that construction side of things. Yeah, definitely. And it's also, does the, does the plan need to go to council? Yes. So um, I get called often when um, the client has had a landscaper. They may have quoted on the wall or they've actually done the wall and, and then somebody um, informs the client that it was not council approved. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's a pretty scary option, actually. But that all comes back into your initial research. That's the and, research. That's and, correct. And I think that's where, um, and I've spoken about that in, a, in another episode in terms of council approvals and things like that, but you've mentioned it before that people get scared by council and then, you know, they talk to Tom the Chippy who says, yeah, don't worry, mate, I can build the retaining wall or the 100 square metre deck and don't worry about council. And then they've got to try and unscramble the egg, which if if they took their time, did their research and spoke to the right people early in the piece, they're going to have a smoother process and they're not having to worry about neighbour court cases or building over boundary lines or things that are too high um, and get themselves in more trouble down the line. Yeah, definitely. And um, I think that that initial stage is where you actually is where the client saves money in the end. Yeah. They they wonder, oh, you know, why am I paying for a consultation? Because of the expert advice that you're getting. That's yeah. that's why I and um, I have some information that I send to people as well, which helps to for them to understand. Instead of going in boots and all, yeah. And down the track and oops, terrible mistake. And I've done reports for people who have been in trouble yeah. with council and litigation, and it's not a very nice place to be no. at all. And it's very, very expensive. So out of those half a dozen different steps, if you like, I'd imagine there's some, some pitfalls that, that people can avoid. So what are the, some of the common mistakes that you sort of see people make throughout that journey that um, maybe we can talk about a little bit further? So wave the flag early so they can try and avoid them. I think, yes, I think there's, there's probably four. And we talked about getting the right professional in, whether that's the designer, the architect. It even could be an engineer. To, to be part of the design team. And we're talking about this master plan with everybody being involved. So what do you see people doing in, in terms of, do you see people just going straight to the landscape or straight to Tom the Chippy rather than, that, that is the mistake, slow that it down. The, definitely, that is the mistake. Yeah. That is the mistake. And again, it's, it's not the public's fault. They don't understand the industry necessarily. So this podcast, for example, is brilliant yeah. because it's putting out there a better way for mm. the client to manage their project. Yeah, I think the more education, the more education, the better is how I see it. So really, not using that that experienced professional, slowing down and, and mm. understanding who they're talking to, 
and getting that process right is probably probably one of the first steps that people should Definitely. should look out for. Yeah. What else is there? Well, the research we talked about, and I think that um, again, it's it's education. Um, clients don't know don't know where to go in a council website. Yeah. The only reason I know where to go is because I do it every day, and I still find I get lost. So it's it's knowing what you're actually looking for. I mean, if you don't know what to ask, how do you ask? Well, you That's, don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. Yeah. So um, this is why I think that somebody who has that knowledge knows where to go. It's actually quite efficient. It's quite time efficient. I don't spend you know hours and hours and hours doing this. I know where to go. I know yeah. what to look for. And we've got those, the words, you know, the DCP, Development Control Plan, the LEP, uh, which is the Local Environmental Plan. And then we've got the, the statewide SEP, which is State Environmental Planning Policy. And most people don't even know SEP exists. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, that's a bit scary that there are tradesmen out there or people, designers out there who don't even know what SEP is. So SEP overrules. DCP, it's, yeah. it's, it's um, a so state late. So you sort of got state coming down That's to local correct. government. Yeah, yeah. and, and it's, it was, it was, it's a really good tool because in the old days, every council had a different height of a retaining wall that needed to be, that needed to have approval. Mm. So now with SEP, it's just, it's an overarching instrument, it's called. So. Yeah. Mm. So essentially with research, there's obviously people are going to do their own research in terms of engaging the right professional, but then maybe people can be asking someone like yourself, making sure that the, the professional they're, they're using or engaging is also doing that research too. So I think people can be misled sometimes or you know, it's sometimes can be the blind leading the blind too. So just making sure, is, is this meeting council's requirements and have you looked at DCPs and things like that? Mm -hmm. can, can be a good question to ask. Yes, and I do that. I have another website called Your Landscape Journey, yep. which which is I'm a coach and mentor. Yep. So I don't have to, with urban and rural design, we do the design construct. But with Your Landscape Journey, I can help anybody doing anything. They can give me a ring. I can do site visits and it's, it's up to them how far they want to t take it. And I can coach them or mentor them through that process. I can look at other people's plans. Bounce ideas. I can bounce ideas. Yep. off so that's yeah that it's just up to what what the client what level of um, engagement they want from me really I suppose no for sure and I think I, th I, th I might have said this already but I use that phrase a lot slowing down to go faster and I think it's clients doing their research people like us doing our research then will ultimately lead to that better result yeah, so definitely. I think that's a good a good point so what else is there well we talked about in the beginning the because um, I have construction knowledge and I bring that to the design table, then that's doing the costings throughout the design process. So that means in the end, you can actually construct the final landscape within your budget and there's no um, nasty surprises at the end. So it means that the client knows exactly what they're getting before the end. Yeah. And know that that's, that's a, um, a, it's what it's called in language again, it's called probable cost. Yep. So it, probably it's going to cost and that's that's about all you can do at that stage and that's whether they want material choices, we do that. Um, yeah, it's a whole whole sort of range of things that we can bring into that probable cost, whatever the client wants. Budget, I've spoken about that with everyone I've, I've sort of discussed on the podcast, but 
I think that's critical and we've come back to, we've mentioned that ourselves a few times already. And I think people shouldn't be scared by being asked about budget. It's not, we're not trying to pry into, you know, get into their individual financial situation and understand shares and bits and pieces. It's a legitimate question. So we don't go off on a, on a tangent and end up in Timbuktu when we should be sort of somewhere else, so to speak. Yeah, so, but see, you and I come from a different platform. We are coming at a consultation expertise level. Yeah. We're not coming from a um, tradies or landscaping tradies platform. So I can understand to some degree why clients don't want to. They feel like they're giving away a secret. Yeah. And I guess they are giving away the secret to the landscaper or the, or the, or the tradie. Yeah. Whereas you and I, you're the conductor of what you do as well. And we're actually trying to assist them. So when they understand what we're actually trying to do, which is assist them in that budget constraint, because everybody has a constraint with a budget, then they'd be more likely to give us that information. Yeah. Because it's not a secret. It's, it's better to be, as you said, it's better to divulge that at the outset because otherwise, then, then later, completely. But but where you and I do things differently, so you do things differently. But ultimately, you still, however, however we go through the process, you still got to get to that end result. Because ultimately, if if the client's got a budget of twenty thousand, a hundred thousand, or a million, if you don't know that early in the piece, it's not mm. you, you're wasting each other's time. Be, and the client's not getting what they want. That going back to that picture they've stuck on the fridge, that could be worth a quarter of a million dollars for argument's sake. But they, if they've only got fifty thousand in the pot, mm. well, there might be a way, a different way to skin the cat. We could say, well, let's do the master plan, but let's put the fifty thousand to to this element for this next two years. But ultimately, you could still get there if we space it over the next three, four, Definitely. ten years. Yeah, that, and that's what a master plan yeah. is, isn't it? It's as you said, it's a, it's a document to, um, to do the work over as short or long time as you need. But you've got that image, that dream at the end. Yeah. So experienced professional, um, doing some research, mm. costing throughout the design phase to get to the budget. Um, anything else? I think probably the, the most important one is the licenses and insurances. So we're talking about the licenses, um, public liability for anybody coming on site, and also looking at people's work. So if you've got a designer who's doing those concepts, you need to make sure that they've actually had those concepts built. They've actually, it's not just they're good at a paper plan, mm. but the, the plan has actually been implemented. Mm. And there are quite a few designers out there who've had nothing built. Yeah. So that's really important to have a look at some pictures and also references. Um, I have, um, you know, phone numbers, I'm sure you do too, that my clients are happy to, past clients are happy to have a chat to anybody. So I think references are a really good idea as well. And then you just see whether that's, a, that's the person that you want to work with. I often use the phrase, it's anyone can buy a plant from Bunnings by length of timber from Bunnings or their local hardware, but it's it's not only about the, the the length of timber or the plant that you're going to plant. It's about the people you're going to deal with too. Mm -hmm. So often people can just look at some photos online. They might not not necessarily be their work either. 
which I've found. So it's it's understanding who you're going to work with, and 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 the process that they're going to take you through. You got to it's it's got to be a hand in glove fit, mm. because if if you love the product but you don't love the person, you're not going to get to that end result. Yeah. So I, I think relationships are everything. Yeah. I think that's really important that you, as you said, that you can work with a person and that you trust that person and you know that the, I say that I'm an advocate for people. That's, that's sort of where I am in the role, that I'm an advocate, that, that I'm the client's advocate and I want them to get the best result in the end. Well, I think there's some good takeaways from there in terms of those, those four points. Is there anything else that you've got that you feel is, is worth adding to or any other final thoughts? No, I think that that's been, I think that's been a really good... Um, Basis. Yeah, conversation about how to help people out there yep. um, and to try and educate them to understand what, what our industry is all about. Perfect. Mm. Well, I'll put some um, your contact details in the show notes so people can look online. But from your perspective, what's the best way for people to, to reach out to yourself um, or to start that conversation? Oh, they could give me a ring. The The website's urban, urbanandruraldesign.com.au or yourlandscapejourney.com. So there's two websites and on there is my phone number, but I'm happy if you want to put my mobile number down. I'm always happy to have a chat to people. Sounds great. Well, great. thank you for, for the time today. And um, I think there's some, some certainly some nuggets of gold in there that I hope people can as you said, to educate themselves so they can ultimately get the best result for, for their backyard dream and, and go from there. So well, thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much for having me. That's been, it's been terrific conversation. My pleasure. So that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. I trust you took away some gold that can help you create that perfect backyard for your home. As always, if we've mentioned something that you'd like to know a little bit more about or you have a particular question, no matter how small, please don't hesitate to drop me a line. My contact details are in the show notes. We would love for you to hit the subscribe or the follow button depending on what platform you were listening to this on for the series. And so we'll look forward to catching up with you on the next episode of Out the Back Door. And as I always seem to be saying to my kids, don't forget to shut the door and I'll see you next time. Ciao.